Welcome to another episode of Lineage Speaks, the podcast, an anthology series of women authors sharing the stories of how they carry the torch for future generations. I'm Martelena Don Terpel, your host, and today, sharing her story, we have Chantelle Porter. Chantelle Porter is an embodiment coach and founder of the Wild Love Method. She feels a deep connection to the earth, moon, and womb. Chantelle started Wild Woman Magic to guide women who struggle with cultural conditioning, generational, childhood, and sexual trauma, as she once did. Through shamanic medicine, energy healing, and positive psychology, she guides women back home to their bodies, their cycles, and their wild nature. Chantelle began this work after starting her own healing journey and realizing how little help there was for women in a way that wasn't dismissive, commercialized, or a band-aid. She discovered how much power she had inside to heal herself and knew she had to share what she had learned with as many women as possible. She lives with her daughter, partner, and their pets in British Columbia, Canada. Chapter seven, Chantelle Porter, from the ashes of the past. Like a phoenix, she rose from the ashes. As a self-love and rewilding coach, I work with women who want to heal their childhood, ancestral, generational trauma, shedding cultural conditioning, releasing their anger and coming home to themselves. I guide them to a place where they can see their innate worth and value, to a place of turning their pain into their power. We dig into the past and unearth what has been buried away for generations, setting not only her free, but her ancestors as well. If you have never heard of the term rewilding, think of it like returning a piece of land back to its natural state, with all the animals that were there and all the luscious beauty, but for women. Generational trauma wasn't always the focus of my work, but as I healed my own trauma, I looked at all that I had been through and overcame, and I knew that this would be my life's work. I released shackles that had been placed on my lineage and set myself free. What really brought me here to this work though? The story that could show you that you're unbreakable, that nothing and nobody can ruin you unless you let them, that you are not the damsel in distress, but the heroine of your own life. And most of all, that you have everything you need inside of you to rise from the ashes of pain and darkness. On March 11th, 1989, the fire department arrived at our house to find a raging inferno in the basement. A fire started by children left unattended. Gary, the firefighter who saved me that day, shared with me his recollection of the events and I would like to share some of it with you. I remember we got the call and when we arrived, your mom was frantically yelling, the kids are downstairs, the kids are downstairs. My partner Dale and I pulled off a hose line and headed for the back door to the basement. We started crawling down the stairs. The smoke is really thick in basement fires and you can't see anything, so it's all by feel. It was really hot too, so we didn't know if the stairs were burnt through or not. Luckily, the stairs were intact and we made it down, shooting water ahead of us. When we reached the floor, we started searching in a pattern from the wall that is standard learning procedure while still spraying water at any flame visible in the smoke. I bumped into something 
and after feeling it, I realized it was a couch. So we felt our way around the couch, and I was sweeping the arm back and forth and feeling on top of the couch, and then around it and in behind the floor. I felt something. I took off my glove, and I felt it again, and it was a little arm. Yours. I yelled to Dale, I found one. We picked you up and then had to follow the hose line back to the stairs where we took you up and out and handed you over to some other firefighters and medics. By then, other firefighters had arrived and we were fighting the fire. Because I knew where we had searched already, I went back downstairs and continued from the couch. I had no idea which child you were, but I knew there was still one down there. I felt all around behind the couch again and then spread out further until I found a wall. As I felt down the wall, I found a doorway, which turned out to be a bedroom. I started a right-hand surge around the wall and found a bed, but the mattress was pulled off of it. I felt it all around and then under it, and I found your brother. I doubled back with him and found the stairs and carried him up the stairs and outside where I ran him towards the ambulance. That is when the Harold photographer took that picture you probably have seen since. I ripped my air tank off and mask and sat on the front lawn, totally wiped, thinking, geez, I hope they are alive. The ambulance is left with you and your brother in a hurry, so I didn't know what your status was. The next shift, I got a hold of the medics who took you and asked how the two of you were. They said the little girl you brought out first got a lot of smoke and burns, including her eyes. She is alive, but they think she may be blind. My heart sank, and then I asked how her brother was. They said, sorry, Gary, he didn't make it. Wow, that really bummed all of the crew out, especially Dale and I. So when I got that phone call from you, it was just super to know that you had come through and could see. And now that I saw the picture of you all grown up and pretty, I think, oh my God, if I wouldn't have gone behind the couch until later in the search. The house fire was four weeks before my third birthday and eight weeks before my brother's fourth birthday, a life taken tragically and far too soon. Although I don't remember the fire or much of anything for some time after, what I do remember is my mother. A part of her died with my brother that day and it never returned. When I look at any pictures of her and I from after the fire, her lifeless and haunted eyes, her straight face, it almost smacks me in the face even now. This is how I continue to experience her most of the time. This or the anger that was almost always directed at me. I didn't understand it then, but the loss of my brother crippled her. It made parts of her close up completely and they became unavailable to me. The nurturing and reassurance I needed couldn't exist in the state she was in, especially when I was a daily reminder of the son she lost. I can't remember what my mother was like before the fire, but I know that her life had not been easy. She suffered great trauma and abuse before I was even born at the hands of her parents, relatives, and others. The tragedy of the fire only added fuel to the raging fire of pain that burned inside her. Her pain would come out as rage, insults, and abuse towards me. The abuse she suffered 
and her loss had mixed into the worst combination, and she took much of it out on me. And because of that, her pain became my own, as she tried desperately to get rid of it by throwing it at the closest person, me. But I believed if I tried harder, she would love me. If I could do something right for once, maybe she would see me instead of my brother. Maybe she would light up when I entered the room instead of turn away. As children who experience this type of trauma often do, I worked hard to please my mother, to be a good child, to not make her angry, to clean the way she wanted me to, and to take care of my siblings without complaint. I wanted so desperately to take away her pain, but I was doing more as an eight-year-old than many adults are capable of doing. I began to assimilate myself with her in many ways in order to remain safe. But her anger, guilt, and pain would prevent her from loving herself or me in grieving my brother. When we merge with a parent because of trauma, we unconsciously share aspects of them, usually negative ones, from that parent's life experience. Then we repeat and relive certain aspects of their life in our own lives without understanding what is taking place. When I took on my mother's burden, I missed out on the experience of being given to, and that led to me having difficulty receiving from anyone, from relationships, from family, myself, and from life itself. This created a pattern, a blueprint, for habitually feeling overwhelmed that I later passed on to my daughter. And so our tangled web of generational trauma and pain continued. The angry grandmother became the angry mother, became the angry granddaughter. The dead son became the walking dead mother who became the walking dead sister. I became the angry walking dead. Generational trauma is the trauma that is passed down through generations of families. Because trauma affects genetic processes, anyone is susceptible to it. But specific populations are more susceptible due to their history of vulnerability in society, particularly those that endure repeated abuse, isolation, racism, or poverty, or families that are impacted by tragedies, death, war, violence, rape, sexual assault, domestic abuse, and hate crimes. Generational trauma often shows up as hypervigilance, mistrust of others or the world, severe anxiety, depression, panic attacks, nightmares, insomnia, a sensitive fight-flight-freeze response, self-esteem and self-confidence issues. It may also manifest as a lowered immune system, health problems, and repeated patterns from family history. It will influence a person's belief about the world and themselves, their patterns and behaviors. It will also have an impact on relationships, communication skills, decision-making, jobs, personality, parenting, and their overall view of the world around them. It's often repeated on a seemingly never-ending loop that no one knows how to stop. It becomes an accepted part of a family's history due to being desensitized to the trauma. Like an acceptance of fate, a family can become hopeless and feel powerless to stop it, and so it continues. This is exactly what happened to my family. There was every form of abuse you could imagine. Alcohol and drug abuse, verbal, physical and emotional abuse, as well as sexual abuse and rape. 
My mother moved out at a very young age and became a teen mom to my brother and I when she was just 15 and 16. We lived on welfare and my mother sold drugs to make extra money. She was involved with the Hells Angels and spent much of her life running. She ran from her pain, her memories, her family, from the police, and anyone else that challenged her to face her life. As I grew up, I would boldly state I refused to be like my mother. I will never do the things she did, and I believed this wholeheartedly. Many decisions I made when I was younger were strictly with that in mind, that I wouldn't end up like her. I didn't want to be a teen mom, so I waited to have sex. I finished high school and went to college because she didn't. I barely drank and never did drugs. The thing about generational trauma though, you can have the best of intentions to be different from your family, but you cannot give to yourself or others what wasn't given to you unless you heal. Otherwise, the pattern only repeats. So sure, on the surface, it looked like I was doing all the right things to break the cycle. And to be honest, I did a lot of great things for myself. But trauma is a mofo. And let me tell you, I really didn't stand a chance against it all. The odds were not in my favor. I didn't know how to receive or give love. I couldn't trust anyone and I thought I didn't matter in this world. I thought I wasn't capable of being like others. That the damage was too extensive that I was too far gone to fix. And so that would be my lot in life, to suffer and to be alone. I was carrying the trauma of generations of women before me, and I would go on to recreate much of it in my own life. At the age of 21, I lost a child tragically like my mother had at 19. My entire world came crumbling down around me. I became a shell of a human, and what anger was already present was only intensified. I lost all fucks, to be honest. I hated everyone around me who moved on and was happy, who didn't have to carry the pain I was in. I couldn't stand to be around anyone who was having children. I spiraled. I remember an aunt telling me in the hospital that I was being punished for my mother's and my grandmother's sins. This only served to deepen my anger and pain. I was becoming my mother and I was becoming my grandmother too. I would go on to repeat many of the patterns and trauma that were passed down to me. A couple years after the death of my daughter, I became pregnant again, but this time on purpose. Unbeknownst to me, it was just as my mother had after my brother's death. Insert generational trauma. The pain of losing my firstborn daughter was so severe that all I could think of was having another baby. I didn't care what I had to do to get it. I could only see my own pain. This resulted in me accepting the unhealthy and abusive relationship with my daughter's father to get it. But something inside of me was trying to come out. There was a voice inside that whispered to me that I needed to change. That I was meant for more. That I needed to protect my daughter. I didn't know it then, but I was hearing my soul calling to me. My inner knowing that was battling to crawl through the darkness I was in. Unfortunately, it still wasn't enough. I was becoming a version of my mother that I swore I never would. My pain spilled out all over me and anyone who was close to me. I was a blazing wildfire on a wrecking path, incinerating everything I touched. I had hit my rock bottom and there was nowhere else to go. When my daughter was five, I finally realized that if I didn't do something about my life, I was going to end up harming my daughter in ways I swore I wouldn't. She would end up hating me 
as I had once hated my mother, and I would end up alone. There would be nobody who could change it, nobody who could do it except me. It had to be me. This realization burnt like the blazing fire that almost took my life. If you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, as the saying goes. Let me tell you, I became the heat, but the heat that cooks your meal, not incinerates it. From that day forward, I radically changed my life, my daughter's life, and the lives of many others around me because I decided to take responsibility for my life. I realized that nobody was coming to save me. Nobody was coming to wave a magic wand that could make all my pain go away. I was the only one who could change my life and that the control lay in my hands. To be honest, that felt terrifying and empowering at the same time. I realized that I didn't have to be a victim to my past. I was not the things that happened to me and they were not my fault, but they were my responsibility to heal and release or it would all bleed onto my daughter. She didn't ask for this. She didn't deserve this. I'm here to show you that you have the power inside of you to either start a wildfire or tame it. You have everything you need inside of you to heal anything that has happened to you. You do not have to be the victim. You can take your pain and turn it into your power because nothing can ruin you unless you let it. Nothing. I used to think I was a victim, that I was broken, never to be repaired. I believed my mother when she told me I was a fuck up, just like my father. That was it, done. But I was wrong, and so was she. So how do we heal generational trauma? We have to talk about it openly and often. We need to shed our shame and guilt that has been placed on us by our society, churches, our families, and the patriarchy. We need to find safe and inclusive spaces to learn about our past and our lineage. We need therapists and coaches who are educated on this topic to do this work with. We need to stop hiding from our friends, family, and our children what has happened. We need to stop sweeping things under the rug. We need to be open with the world so that others can see they're not alone. Because when we cannot hide any longer, we can release the power it has over us, and then we will rise. We heal generational trauma by understanding what our ancestors went through and how the pain of neglect, death, trauma, and so many other things impact us as humans. We get curious about our lineage and listen to their stories with compassion and acceptance. We release judgment and truly see them, reminding ourselves that had we lived a different life, had we lived their life and suffered as they had, we may have ended up in the same places, repeating the same patterns, causing the same pain. If we can put ourselves into another's shoes as them, not as ourselves, then we can see and understand how people do what they do. Having compassion and understanding for my mother and what happened in her life for her to say, do, act how she did is what helped heal me. It is what gave me an understanding of my own behaviors and showed me that it was not my pain to carry. It allowed me to see her as the wounded child she was that grew into the wounded woman and it allowed me to cry for her. I still cry for her. I mourn the life she never had, the love she never got, and the relationship we never had. Most importantly, it allowed me to love her fully and completely as she is, where she is, 
no matter what. We can break free of the chains of our pasts, of society, and all of its secrets and control. We can come together to give voice to our pains, to crack open the doors to our wounds and release what we have been carrying for generations that was never ours to begin with. We can rise together and generations will be healed, past, present, and future. Like a phoenix, she rose from the ashes because not even fire can kill her. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us if you found this podcast to be helpful in your journey. If you would like to experience more from the other women who contributed to this series, you can purchase a digital or printed copy of Lineage Speaks on Amazon. All proceeds go to elamugirls.com, a nonprofit organization giving young girls aged 14 to 18 in Kenya a choice, a voice, and a bank account. Saving girls in Kenya from genital mutilation, sex tourism, or becoming a child bride and changing their lineage story. Once again, thank you for listening. And remember, you get to write your own story, how it connects you to the stories of the past and how you guide the stories of the future. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on.